The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 59 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly, vigorously, and methodically pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, and hopefully not be prevented from doing so. We have a ladylike episode planned for today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have our latest regular feature, Unscripted Cohorts, and a question about equal pay and comparative worth. We'll see what that is. After the you part comes part two, the them part where each episode we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is a heavy-duty cultural but turned political. She's Julie Potter, proprietor of the Tame Your Main Hair and Styling Salon in Blair County, Pennsylvania. A ladylike episode, as promised. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it will be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, in keeping with our ladylike theme, I'm going to be ranting about marriage, specifically my own. More about that in a few seconds because throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, recently reestablished, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials. Today, we have a very unusual Toastmaster. She's a member of the Positively Charged Toastmasters at Philadelphia Electric Company in beautiful downtown Philadelphia. She's none other than my own dear wife, Roberta Krawchuk. There are two very good reasons why I invited my wife to participate in today's show. Well, first of all, she's a Toastmaster, and that's very important, you know. Almost 20 years as a Toastmaster, I must add. The second reason she's here today is because today is our 43rd wedding anniversary, and it just wouldn't be right for me to abandon her on our anniversary, now would it? Am I a wonderful husband or what? Happy anniversary, Roberta. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Thank you. Happy anniversary, Ken. (laughs) You know, I always ask the narrator on the show, same question, and it's surprising that very few of them are ready for it, and I have to throw it at you. What do you like about being a Toastmaster? Learning to communicate with people, to be able to to say what is on my mind without ums and ahs. Uh What got you involved in Toastmasters in the first place? When you ran for governor the first time and I saw the governor's wife being interviewed and she was um and eyeing at every question. And I thought that that can't be me. We've got to find Toastmasters for me now. <laughs> and we did. The rest, as they say, is history. And look, now you're on the radio. <laughs> we also have with us a second Toastmaster, according to another one of our ancient customs, to help read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and join in discussions with our guest. It's a role that we call cohort. Today's cohort is making his fourth appearance on the Pennsylvania Project. 
He's a member of the Drexel University Toastmasters in Philadelphia, Daniel Graciano. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Daniel. Thank you, Ken. It's great to be here. Uh, of course. And it's going to be a little easier on you this time. Last time we were here, we had no narrator, and you had to read the commercials. You had to do your regular duty, double duty guy. If you ask me, I think that's all the fun. Uh, what, reading the commercials? Sure, why not? I don't know. Let's see, Roberta, you're getting all the fun. Lucky, <laughs> lucky, lucky you. Well, you know, it's up to you. You can call the shots. If you want to do one or the other, you can do that. I'm easy. Fair enough. Well, you, we've been here often enough. You know the new ancient custom. You're supposed to bring along a question that I do impromptu, something that I've never heard before. This is good for me because it's practice. It's good for you because you could make me look like a fool in front of a TV audience, radio audience, whoever. Hopefully it won't sting too hard. All right. Go for it. Let's see what happens. Here's my question for you. What's the harm in businesses staying closed if the government is offering money for, to businesses via stimulus? Wow. It's a huge amount of harm. First of all, that money's got to come from somewhere. It's coming from you and me in taxes, right? So how can they take money from us when we're not working? Well, they can't. They don't have any money. So they have to borrow it. It's bad. It's kind of like you don't have a job, so you start running up your credit card debt. That's what America is doing, but they're doing it trillions of dollars at a time, and that's, that's just plain bad. That's just on the economic side. You look at it from another point of view, too. Every time you send a dollar to Washington, and it's a shame this isn't television because I have an act that goes along with this, most of that dollar vanishes into the bureaucracy. And then only a percentage of it comes back to the states, and the states, of course, has their bureaucracy too. And you're lucky you get a dime on the dollar coming back from what you sent to Washington. So just to sum it up, the government is spending money they don't have. They're running up the credit card debt. It's got to be paid off someday. I got kids. I got grandkids. And our youngest, our oldest granddaughter is, what, she turned 16 in a month or so. Wow. Yeah, so – She's going to start working and start paying off those trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. And you're a student. you got student debt. Yes, although thankfully I'm a little bit more fortunate than most, but I, I'm still uh, going to feel it when it's time for me to pay my dues. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's good for you to borrow that money? Honestly, probably not. That's why I chose not to borrow so much money. Uh -huh. and that's why I'm sort of footing the bill during my uh, university. And it does hurt, but... Better to pay it now than to pay it down the line. I agree. Debt is horrible. That's one thing about uh, the Muslim religion that I really believe in. They, they do not like at all borrowing money. They, they don't like the idea of paying interest or anything like that. And if I have that wrong, please, anybody feel free to call in and correct me. But I agree. It's a killer because you wind up paying off some of the interest, which you could spend on beer. Or, some, or on your 43rd wedding anniversary or something pleasant like that. And then you've also got students who go in for, you know, utterly useless, uh, you know, majors, and they rack up hundreds, of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And how are they going to pay that off? I, I think personally what's going to happen is that you're going to have a generation of students that are going to die without paying off their debts. I think something like that might happen in well. the future. And the question is, who do they borrow that money from? Now, I know with, with our daughter, she went to school for graphic artistry, and she wound up, she came down with leukemia. And oh. she's okay now. She's, wow. Yes, yeah, they just took her off, I guess it's been four years, five years, four and a half years. But they just took her off the last of the 
inhibitors, the immune system inhibitors. But she has this, she has this student debt, and guess who's a cosigner on it? And, and guess who had to remortgage their house to pay for it? So let's hope she gets a job real soon and she can start paying that off. Wow. Yeah, but I, I'm with you. It's, it's a bad idea. So the government giving people money, and there's something else that's even worse about this. This is something that our guest pointed out to me before. This is the, the $600 that people are getting. Do you know where that number came from? Where? 40 hours times what they think should be the minimum wage, $15 an hour. Of course. And all these minimum wage people now are saying, I ain't going back to work. Uncle Sam's giving me more money than I'm getting on my job. It's insidious. It's poisonous. Is it bad? Absolutely. Would I do it? No. No. But then I'm not a national guy. I'm a Pennsylvania guy. Very good question. Thank you. Did I answer it? Yeah, enough? I think you did. Okay. Enjoy your student debt. <laughs> Enjoy your trillion-dollar debt. What are we up to? Twenty-two, twenty-three trillion. I can't even keep. Track I don't even of. want to think about it. It's going to go up higher by by the time the next bill's signed. I know. Oh, and if a Democrat wins the next race, uh, anyway, I digress. All right, let's find out what our listeners are talking about. What do we got? Well, we have Audrey from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right. And she says, what do you think about pay equity and comparable worth? Well, that's an easy one. It follows along the same lines we are just talking about. There are areas where government has no business being in. They shouldn't have any say at all. Short and sweet. Very quick answer. Let me give some context on that. Pay equity, comparable worth, they mean pretty much the same thing. There's some flavors of difference, but from my mind, they're both the same thing. The idea is that somebody should step in and make sure that two different groups of people should receive equal pay when they perform work that involves comparable skills. And that's a legal quote. And it's or work that is of comparable worth to the employer, which I think is a real gotcha, but we'll leave that aside for the moment. The assumption is it's the government that should step in and enforce all this with laws. Well, me, I say the decision to hire any individual or what to pay them should only be made by private individuals and the companies they're interviewing at based upon each of their own economic realities. That's because the employment process consists of two people. They agree on what sort of salary package is acceptable to each of them. That's what capitalism is all about. But, of course, once the government steps in and dictates any portion of that process, one side or the other will surely be a loser, probably both sides. That's the way it usually works. As I've said many, many, many times, the only role of government anywhere is to protect the rights and property of the citizens. That's it. Anything more than that becomes a battle of special interests. And besides, the Pennsylvania Constitution, right here at my elbow, does not authorize any kind of government action in that area. What do you think about equal pay, Daniel? Honestly, I'm with you on this boat. If two people do the same job, they should get the same amount of money. I agree. Do you want to enforce that? No. That is a slippery slope. That's, uh, that's the equivalent of a nanny sort of dictating, <laughs> sort of dictating if uh, two little youngsters, if they did the same work, oh, but little Johnny over here, he, uh, oh, he, he did a little bit more extra work, or maybe he, uh, maybe he hurt his foot along the way or something that's like that, right. so he should get an extra sandwich. Big mommy government steps in illegally, too. And, you know, it's funny because I've always wondered – how that comparable worth would be measured. First of all, how can you find out what anybody is being paid? People don't talk about what they get paid. Yes, they could always order a company to snitch on you. 
But would you want some bureaucrat to know how much you're getting paid? And isn't that a violation of privacy? You'd have to reveal your gender to a bureaucrat. And what does gender mean these days, right? It could be anything. It's a pretty fluid term. And then there's the issue of what do you include in all of that pay? Some companies have very generous benefits. Some don't have any benefits. So would you add in the value of, say, I don't know, health insurance to the pay package? What about minor perks, like a, like a window seat? We have a beautiful window seat here in the studio. I love this. What about flex time? That has value to an employee. So many different little things like that. And, you know, I bet it works both ways, too. You'd have to subtract from a woman's pay the cost of maintaining a mother's room where she could breastfeed or express milk, something like that. There's two sides. And what about all those exotic accounting tricks? For example, if a company contributes to your 401k, do you include the tax break that they receive for making that contribution? Do they include that? And do you take into account whether a man or woman owns the company? Or do you poll the shareholders of a company to find out what their gender is? Good luck with that. You know, I have a relative that goes on and on and on about this issue. She's always playing the victim about how, how unfair it is that she gets paid less than men. Well, I don't know where she gets her information. I keep wondering. Most salary info, as I said, is pretty private, except government salaries are pretty public. Union jobs are pretty public. So maybe that's the heart of the issue. Maybe it's government and union jobs that are biased against women. Government has a dirty house already. So why do they impose all this nonsense across the board? I don't know. You know, it's, it's funny, but my, my relative, she doesn't like to answer. She doesn't like my answer to her quote-unquote issue. I tell her if she thinks she's not getting paid enough, don't take the job. It's that simple. I've been self-employed for over a quarter century. I'm a geek, and I've lived by those words. I've had to. And yes, that means sometimes I've had to walk away from a job I really wanted or really needed. Ask my wife about that. So now should I call my congressman and force them to hire me, force them to pay me what I want? Apparently my relative thinks so. Well, the bottom line, I'd be curious to see how pay equity and comparable worth would be implemented. But I'll bet whatever implementation approach they took, I'm certain the reporting would turn out to be a nightmare. And the result would be a distorted economy. And I think everyone would suffer. We'll see. That hasn't happened yet. On that note of self-empowerment, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 59. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be meeting with today's guest, proprietor of the Tame Your Main Hair and Styling Salon in Blair County, Julie Potter. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. 
Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? They're not. They're all direct quotes from Article One of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you heard, ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we change those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authorized a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please, sign the petition at thepennsylvaniaproject.com. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Beautiful. What are you doing after the show, lady? <laughs> hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the Them portion of Episode 59 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is solidly cultural, which somehow ended up becoming political. She's Julie Potter, proprietor of the Tame Your Maine Hair and Styling Salon in Blair County. She started her business herself a quarter century ago. It was just her then, but now she employs 32 girls. Why, I hear you ask, are we hosting a beauty salon owner? Because hers is probably the only salon in all Pennsylvania that's currently open. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Julie. Hi, how are you? I'm sober and wide awake, but it's early. You, you, know, <laughs> you know, my lady, to me, you are a hero. We have a lot of heroes, the, the people who are working in the hospitals, people working down in the grocery stores. We have a lot of heroes. But to me, you're a hero because you're standing up for what's right. I, I've been singing. Well, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Two episodes ago, I was talking about Elon Musk. He's the guy who runs Tesla, Tesla car company, electric car company. Oh, yeah. SpaceX. And he opened up against the wishes of Alameda County or whatever this California thing is. but And they blinked. He's open now, and they, they couldn't close him back down again. So I, I put you in the same category as him, true heroes. Thank you. Well, thank you. So I'm glad, I'm glad to stick up for what we believe in. That's right. That's what it's all about. Yeah. What are you going to do, buckle, mm -hmm. buckle under the, the heel of the man? I don't know. No, I don't. You don't sell out to the government. I can tell you that. There you go. You're a lady. Not for six hundred dollars a week. I know. Not for six hundred dollars a week. I don't know. <laughs> I don't you know. Need to sell your constitutional rights for six hundred dollars. That's true. Seven hundred at least, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they, yeah. They're not. Well, at least six. I know they're getting six. Uh huh. Plus whatever else they're given. Yeah, I don't know if you're listening. Well, that other money, that other money's rightfully theirs because they're on unemployment. But yep. the six hundred dollars was uh, gifted 
Yep. You know, it, it, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing that later. I know. Somewhere. I don't know if you were listening to the beginning of the show. Daniel brought that up yes. as a question. Yeah. It's just a mess. Yeah. So what made, yep. you, what made you decide to stand up? Just a constitutional rights thing or is it personal or what? I think it is a constitutional rights. Plus, I've been in business 25 years and I wasn't about to let it go down. You know, me finishing off being closed. I mean, it, I had to open. You can't stay afloat without opening. That's <laughs> true. Know? Yeah, your employees might be taken care of, but the business wasn't, you know, able uh-huh. to be taken care of. So I decided I gave them the 40 days, 23rd to the 1st was 40 days. I decided on the 40th day I would reopen, uh-huh. which actually, if I didn't have the backlash, I would have stayed open. But you know how? So I thought, oh, I'll give it to two weeks, and two weeks turned into four, then four weeks turned into six. You know, it was an ongoing, it was, it was no end in sight. Uh-huh. So it was like you either sink or swim. So I chose to swim, and we'll see where I land, I guess. <laughs> you the man, I woman. Thinking, I, that's you. Sure. I landed. I landed. Uh-huh. I didn't realize how many people were in Blair County until you tried to do all the hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike. And, and, and out in, in surrounding areas. Uh-huh. I didn't realize. I, I think they're way wrong off kilter when they said we were not essential. Uh, no, you absolutely. won't believe the, the smiles and the faces and, <laughs> and the thank yous and the yep. support that we received. Uh, you know, Julie, you, should see my, you see my hair. It's a mess. I used to have long hair back in college. I was a hippie. I'm turning back into a hippie. <laughs> and you know, my, my, oh, you're what? My co-host, my co-host, Daniel here, he has a question for you. Hi. Uh, good evening, yeah. Ms. Potter. Uh, I actually have a question. Um, this is about, well, your opening. So I don't know if you heard about what happened in Texas. There was a woman who opened up her uh, hair salon business as well or, or uh, something similar to that fact. And she actually went to jail for that. She went to jail for about a week, I believe. Um, I wanted to know if you have been threatened with anything like that sort of action. And if you were, what would you do in response to that? Well, first off, she was, hers was, she uh, disobeyed a court order. She, they wanted her to apologize, and she ripped up the court order. <laughs> I, <laughs> love it. I love it. They didn't rest her because she opened her salon. I live that I spoke with that salon, so I heard, I know what was going on there, but. Uh, yeah, and she spent 48 hours, I do believe, in jail, not a week. And um, actually, a legislator paid for her to get out, and uh, they gave her money back. They gave her $7,000 back, and I do believe there might be a lawsuit out in there. And I say go, girl, because yeah. it, she deserves she deserves that. And they did a GoFundMe side, and I think they're up to 500 plus, and they might be past a million now on her. So uh-huh. I think uh, her uh, standing her ground as well, um, she stuck to it, and, you know, it worked out. It worked out. Because she's still open and she's still working right now. Um, the the local authorities they 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 was put into their hands and they were to do as they felt fit and they didn't decide to do um, anything as of right now. I've been open since May first, and uh, my district attorney in the area said we don't let eighteen hundred prisoners out of jail to put her in. So <laughs> I agree with that. You can't let 1,800 prisoners out, and then you're going to send me in there because I want to work for any of my staff, you know, because we want to work and, you know, support our living <laughs> like we're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, but think so, about it. Those 1,800 prisoners would have beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, how about it? And, you know, I, yeah. I hear people, because my wife and I, we've been ignoring the whole quarantine and stay at home and everything. And people are like, oh, what's the matter with you? You're going to spread the disease. But that's not true. Because Sweden has not locked down 
They're That's still, exactly. And you know, I and I follow them every week. There's a website. It's called World. Uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it. it. But it's that website that shows like the circles and it shows like how many people have gotten coronavirus but, in the country. But they have all of the the basic stats. And I started. I guess it's back in episode 50, and then we're on 59 now, one a week. And back in 50, I started looking at it, and Sweden, out of the top nine countries, was right in the middle. They were number five. I looked again a couple weeks later. They're still number five. Last time I looked, Julie, they are still number five. They're not. That's right, and their economy is still working. And their economy is still working. There's no reason at all. They destroyed ours. They destroyed ours in nine weeks. Yes. Nine weeks. That's all it took. Destroyed the economy. And all for nothing. You know, yeah, well, I'm glad I've got yeah. a radio show during this time. Because I get to stand from the rooftops yeah. and say, Governor Wolf, you are flat out wrong. You have needlessly destroyed the economy. You've ruined Daniel. You're not graduating this year, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, lucky you, man. Think of the other ones. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm thinking yeah. about my friends. They're, they got to graduate online. So when somebody starts saying, oh, you're not thinking of the public. And when Elon Musk, when he reopened, it's the same thing. You're Ugh. not thinking of the public. First off, the government's job is to protect the rights of the citizens. Amen. Wherever Foreign I heard that. and domestic. We are the people, right? Yes. They aren't responsible for our health. You are. You're responsible for your health. you got to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's the case, why, why do you sell cigarettes? Alcohol. They make money off of it. Lottery was still open. They make money off of it. I know. Now, if you want to keep people in their homes, especially elderly people, get rid of the lottery. So that guarantee you they won't go out of their house if there's no lottery. <laughs> you know, it's the truth. You know, Miss Potter, you bring up an interesting point, which um, I I have a question about. So let's say somebody goes into your hair salon and you know they get their hair done and uh, they somehow you know they get coronavirus and they blame it on you guys. Is there any sort of thing that they can do? Like, I guess can they sue you? Uh, for saying, oh, you were open when you weren't supposed to be, and because of this, I or like more people in this area got the virus because of your uh, quote-unquote selfish uh, selfishness. Could they do anything like that? I would doubt very much uh, that yeah, they I'd... could prove they were only at Game Your Main. I would agree the whole time. Yeah. They would. That would be very hard. That means you wouldn't even you'd have been dropped in here by helicopter, like. You wouldn't have been able to even get in your car to drive here or, or stop to get gas or, or you would have to, like, you, there better be some really good proof that this was the only place that you were in contact with that you're going to say you got the virus from here. That's right. And we, listen, throughout all this, we've been sanitary from the beginning. Like I said before, the, in the beauty industry, 75% of our, what we had to be trained on was sanitation, disinfectant, sanitation, disinfectant. If you didn't learn how to do a haircut, you knew how to sanitize. Trust me. Sanitation was the main thing. I mean, you, all right, telephone for your phone. How many of you wipe your phone off? I don't. I don't. That's one <laughs> of the most germ-filled it? things. Nope. Yeah. Do you do it? Okay, do you go over to a convenience store, lay your phone on the counter, pay your bill, pick your phone up. Oh, it rang. Put it to your face? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how. That is okay. But I can't touch my face with my own hands, even after I've washed it. So, it's not about your health, people. It's nope. not about your health. Not at they, they, all. You wouldn't have left Walmart all open, even their clothing, even their hammer, whatever you could buy in there. You wouldn't have left Home Depot. You wouldn't, not to call them out on it, but you wouldn't have left Lowe's open. 
Uh, there's a store called Gabriel's. I mean, that's a, I mean, how do you let them open? Uh, and- All of it is is stuff that was second, you know, people closed their businesses and they ended up there. Their clothing or whatever ended up there. That was all open. Big Loss, open. Ollie's, open. You know, fast food restaurants, open. It's yeah. not about your health. Uh, Julie. So you want to let all that open. Julie, I'm going to put you on the spot now. If it's not about your health, what do you think it is about? It's an election year. Yeah. It's an election year. Election year. Why? What? They couldn't impeach. They couldn't impeach. They have to try another route. So they make a virus, you know. Oh, you think? Try to kill off some of us, I guess. <laughs> what, no, is, wait, listen. People is, forgot about that first off because they threw twelve hundred dollars at people. So uh-huh. people forgot. Oh, wait. What? Ha- why did they get this money? Then they give them six hundred dollars on top of that. Then they left them go fishing two weeks early. Then they threw ice cream stands were allowed to be open because now they're essential. Ice cream they stands are open. Oh my god. Yeah, they're open. Uh, we got one up the corner from us, and I'm I'm tired of eating crappy ice cream. You know, I, I like yeah, give me cholesterol. In hey, there's a sit-down restaurant that actually stood up for their rights in uh, Logan Boulevard in Altoona. Uh, they they opened. You know, and they even opened their inside. And my, the inside to come in and sit down. And my wife and I were celebrating our 43rd anniversary today. We're going to one of our favorite restaurants, and we're going to have to do a takeout. Exactly. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, all well, right. Ken, you know, Ken here. And, hang on. <laughs> and you're listening to Episode 59 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information <laughs> with more from our Pennsylvania hero, proprietor of the Tame Your Main Hairstyle and Beauty Salon in Blair County, Julie Potter. Americans for Prosperity is the Keystone State's largest grassroots network of activists engaged on issues, and issues ranging from... Advancing fiscal and regulatory policies that empower people to more easily learn their success. To expanding gains in criminal justice reforms that will protect people and preserve public safety while removing barriers to opportunity for those with criminal records. Our vision for Pennsylvania is one where no barriers to opportunity exist. By standing together to do good, we can create a more prosperous Pennsylvania now and for future generations and enable them to realize their own version of the American dream. To learn more, please visit americansforprosperity.org. Hey, Daniel Graciano here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people at least. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you might want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters, and now I'm on the radio. (laughs) So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome. And be sure to mention my name, Daniel Graciano. The future is anxiously waiting for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. 
contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W E R L E Y.com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable quality gear. At Christopher Fade Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you fish dries, wets, or any combination, Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania Proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's Christopher Fave, flyfishing.com. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and we're back with episode 59 of the Pennsylvania Project and our Pennsylvania hero, Julie Potter, proprietor of the Tame Your Maine Hair and Styling Salon in Blair County, probably the only salon open in all Pennsylvania. Welcome back, Julie. It's good to have you here, assuming you stayed. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. still here. <laughs> okay. You know, I had to, I have one more question I wanted to ask about the why. Do you think it's going to help or hurt the, our president? Our president. Well, actually, here's the thing. They want us to mail in ballots, and they want to do it on the internet. You can't do that. You got to that. That that is where the problem's going to be created. Yeah. Because there's no way you can't vote for somebody that actually doesn't even know he's running for president. Public. I don't even think he understands what's going on. It's a sad <laughs> situation. But if that's your only, that's your front runner, it's sad. You know what I mean? It, I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's pretty strong because I think he put the government. I think whenever he did that with the governors, he made uh, the governors in charge of their states. I think he did that because he wanted us to see how corrupt they were uh-huh. and how the ones were. I, I think that was put out there. And to the re- people would notice what's going on. And to the republic for which it like stands, that. we are a republic. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, right. I think that was a good way of doing that. I mean, he's going to have to step in here sooner or later. I mean, he put they put California down to September. You know, Miss Potter, I think it's, it's an interesting point that, well, I think maybe it was Ken that brought it up too, well, both of you, that um, it really does show how the governors, how effectively or ineffectively they can really run their uh, their states. And it's interesting because yeah. I remember I, I also had an argument with my aunt, who is a staunch uh, Trump hater. Um, <laughs> like, I think borderline Trump derangement syndrome. Yes, yes. Um, the man could cure cancer and she wouldn't be happy with him. Either way, she wanted him to sort of take charge of all the states and impose a national stay-at-home order. And, you know, by, oh, by God, if anybody intervened, it's their fault and they should be in trouble for it. And, you know, one of the, you know, of the many arguments I had was, with her was that it depends on state to state and it should be the governors. It should be their decision. They were the ones who were elected in those areas. It's up to them where whether or not they should well, open Well, I can't up. wait till we can reelect that. <laughs> we shall that's see. Be, that's three years. We're in trouble. That's three years from now. Uh-huh. For that. Yeah. I, I got a question. You sell beauty products there, I imagine, right? Shampoo. Correct. Walmart's yeah. selling that. Exactly. So, and we weren't allowed to. Why? Because I was the, not allowed to sell it. Because they said so. Well, because but, they said so. Yeah. Right? And, and the thing is, they can't say so. <laughs> Like they, That's right. First off, you got to have a law in play that you're in violation of. Until somebody can prove a law was in play that I violated a law, there's no. That, that's why they can't arrest you. How can they arrest somebody if you didn't do anything wrong? Well, you're going to arrest somebody for doing their business. I wasn't even allowed to sell shampoo. They, I got called on many times 
and the cops had made, you know, came up here and told me that I was not allowed to sell anything out of my business. But I could deliver it to Shisa, which is there's a convenience store across the street. I was allowed to walk across my parking lot and hand it over to her. I felt like I was drug dealing. <laughs> I felt like I was a drug dealer. I was, you know, dealing, dealing hair products, you know, meeting in back alleys, trying to get a hair product to, to a client. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I, I don't think they should be allowed to make money off of something that I'm able to sell, you know, to my clients and my guests. You know, they were allowed to sell hair color and all. Yeah, they were saying, you can't sell touch-ups, you can't do this. Well, why are you allowed? At least I'm the professional. I know what I got to get the person. There's no one down there. There's no little men sitting on the shelf down there saying, this will work, this will work, this is for you, this is for you. There's none. But they probably sold out. I bet if you walked down any of them out, you know, well, they're cattling people in now. Uh-huh. You get cattled in. You only can go one way. You it's know, this craziness. There, there. there is a law, and I read it on the air, and I don't have it in front of me. My apologies. But it's something that the... The state house passed back in like 1978, a long time ago, which tells, which gives the governor the power to put, uh, shut down businesses, to move people out of their houses, to commandeer their cars, actually take their property, put people in FEMA camps, or I guess it's Pima camps in Pennsylvania. And I read it. It was, it was pretty scary stuff. Now, none of that is is legal, but there it is. I think I think there is. Well, the a- only thing I saw was in 1929, and it was. Uh- it was for the disobeying an order, and it was that, that regulation of the Department of Health. Uh huh. And and it was uh, the not to be less than ten dollars, but not to exceed fifty. Uh huh. So I mean, and that was a penalty, a period. Uh huh. If you defaulted paying it, of course, there was other things that they would do, you know, as far as that went. But I don't know. I don't. I think too, though, if you see, they'll probably say we voluntarily shut down. Yeah, and that's what it that's is. It. Just say, stop, vol- stop volunteering. I'll never shut down again. Right, I'll never shut down again. Yep. Like I said, I was taking the backlash, and I should have stood in my ground and just said, well, I'm not closing. You can't close me. But 90% of businesses, the nation's run by small businesses. You know, 50% income comes in from large. So I think they wanted to uh, get rid of some small businesses so yeah. they can have more control. Yeah. That's now, Mrs. Potter. To me. Uh, Mrs. Potter, just a quick question about what you were talking about before with the whole shampoo debacle. So is it that you are you are allowed to sell your services as, you know, hairdresser and, you know, you're allowed to do that, but you are not allowed to sell items like shampoo within your store? No. That, well, I wasn't allowed. To, they, they, asked, they said I wasn't allowed to do anything, oh. that I wasn't allowed to even deliver a shampoo in my parking lot or put it put touch-up spray on my porch for a guest to pick up so they could just pick it up on porch it wasn't even human contact at this point but my thing is you're not you're going to tell me that walmart home depot Lowe's are wiping down everything in their store after somebody <laughs> picked it up and put it back no i see that not happen no i did not see that happen there's no way i, I mean and then to say that you can't touch a piece of clothing or you have to buy it I got told that before by another guest that said they were in Walmart and she had to buy a shirt that she didn't even want. I said, you don't have to buy that shirt if you didn't want it. She goes, no, she touched it. Oh, you got to no. buy it. Got cooties on it now. <laughs> you get, like, what is happening? And, and people that don't want to wash their hands, you're not going to make them wash their hands anytime. It doesn't matter. That's their hygiene. And, you know, you can tell them all you want. I mean, that's stuff we learn when, from a small age up. Yeah. You know? And I've said and that. I, and I yeah, and I think we've been training kids 
that the entitlement's there for them. Everybody that participates gets a trophy. Everybody that just, it's been uh, fed into their heads. And I know uh, every one of us sat around and said, uh, why do they think they're so entitled? They think they're so entitled because that's the way they were brought up. Yeah. Everybody's entitled. Yeah. Where's, where's my 600 bucks? They take the reward. <laughs> yeah, they take the reward and diminish it. They take a reward and diminish it. And then they make the person that, the, the kid that couldn't accomplish it, feel like, oh, they're just giving me a hit because. I was here, and the guy that did do the best job is is worse off because he did better. He, you know, whenever you were talking about pay, you know, if you do the same job, you should be paid the same money. That's not true. Mm-hmm. You That's could right. have a, a worker that was really lazy, the yep. one that was a strong worker. They're worth more money than yep. somebody that actually That's right. you good. Know, wants to loll- lollygag around. Good luck implementing that. The busiest people doing nothing? I yes. see a lot of busy people oh, doing man. nothing. Yeah, they're busy doing nothing, you know. Now, let me ask a question. You, as a beauty salon, I guess you're, you're licensed by the state. Yeah, I am. Can yeah. they can they do something with that? Can they take? Oh, well, I was reading it. I, I guess they could revoke it. They can re. They don't have to renew me. I guess. Or they. I mean, I I think I have. A, I would have a fight on my hands. Probably. I mean, I'm going to have a fight on my hands. I'm assuming if they try to. T- but then then you're going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Well, how did you get your hair cut through all this? Mm-hmm. Then that salad should be at fault too, or anybody. If well, you're saying nobody's allowed to touch anybody's head of hair, nobody's allowed to do anything. I'm not allowed to make a livelihood through it. Uh huh. I didn't. I didn't make anybody walk through my door. That's right. Everybody's. That's right. It's, it's, it's know, all voluntary. You can sign a paper stating that they were volunteer here. They were not forced in this building. They came willingly. You know, we wrote up a, a paperwork, you know, that says that, you know, they they know they're here against, not against their will. They've been here because they wanted to be here, uh-huh. not because we forced them into the building, you know. And, yeah, you're right. There, there might be consequences that I'll have to pay, but um, I don't I don't know what the, I don't know what it'll be. I don't know what they're going to do. There's probably going to be a lot more because no one's going to sit still long, much I, longer. I know. They're going to have to work. They're going to have to go back to work. They're going to have to make their lives you know, I mean, they're saying this is a new normal. This isn't normal. No, okay, that's the not new, normal. It's the new it's abnormal. Normal. I'm calling it the new yeah, abnormal. Yeah, it's the new abnormal. But it, you know, and and I just talked to a couple guests today, and I said about the mask situation. And I said, um, "Are you okay with wearing a mask everywhere you go?" And they go, "Well, I just do it because I don't want controversy." Well, seventy-five percent of the world <laughs> don't want controversy. So how are we ever going <laughs> to fix something if no one will speak out? So they're little muzzles. All you're wearing is a muzzle. You might as well put a muzzle on because that's what they did to you. Uh-huh. you put a mask on, you just back it up, and you listen. Yep. You listen. You, you actually bring up an interesting point, too, about the whole mask thing because um, where I am, I'm in New Jersey, but people also uh, sort of try to encourage glove wearing. But the thing is <laughs> – so, I'm going to get back to you. Oh, my God. Well, because here's the thing. So I, I – as a biomedical engineering student at Drexel, uh, we, we do some some PPE training with the whole glove-wearing thing. And I can tell you that there are many people that are not wearing the gloves effectively. Huh. They touch their phones with the gloves. They touch their faces. They touch their wallets with the gloves. The point of those gloves is that you are not supposed to touch anything else that you are planning on touching after those gloves are off. And many people are not exactly. abiding by that. Yep. You well, even, even your – yeah. You know, Julie, we're we're running down to our last couple minutes. The time always goes really, really fast on these things. I was wondering if there's something, yeah, does. if there's something you want to get in there we haven't talked about, and it doesn't have to be about your salon. I mean, you could talk about puppy mills or whatever it is you like. 
Yeah, I don't like puffy nose. <laughs> Nobody does. I, I, I think that uh, I think the public they should wake up and look at see that they should back your small businesses. They're yes. what keeps the economy going in the United States. I think they should be back more so than backing any of the large businesses. At least I know who owns the small businesses. I mean, you might know who owns Walmart. I don't know who owns Walmart. I never met them. I never know, you know, who's you know who's putting food on whose table. I know with whenever you you go to local businesses or people that have uh, small mom and pop shops, we know that we help maybe send a kid through dance school or send a, help yeah. them get a college. You know, send them through college. That we know we helped in some form of way. So you want to believe the people that want to help with uh, to come in and say, I just wanted to bring you, I just wanted to thank you. I, I'm giving you this because I want to see your business succeed and I want to see you move forward. You know, giving donations here. I mean, I didn't ask for any of the donations. I, uh, that's nice and graceful and thoughtful, you know, to help people. But if, if people don't help people and, and understand that, that people, people should help people. Right now, they're making everybody hate each other, and they're putting a wedge between yeah, everybody's lifestyle. Yeah. You know, to put a wedge between everybody and make not no one like each other or hate. There should be a neutral ground where you can see both sides of it, but just keep an open mind. Yep. Open mind is what you. Need. And I'm sorry that if you don't like President Trump, that's fine. You can have that opinion, but he's still our president. He deserves the respect. He should have been respected. These late night shows that make fun of them constantly. What do you think the normal people are watching it? Because we're not. We're not watching it. Because yep. it, it's, and it's, you know, and then letting those kids <laughs> see how disrespectful they're being to people in power. You know? Yep. I mean, I know you're thinking, oh, wait, you just obeyed a governor's director. I was like, and I'm not respecting him. I gave him 40 days. I gave him 40 days. Yep. His time is up. Enough time. Yep. That was more than enough time. Right. His time is up, and our time is up, too. All right. That's, well, thank you for having me on. Oh, uh, no. Thank you. You're, again, I'll say it. You're a Pennsylvania hero. So that's going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. My thanks one more time to our Pennsylvania hero guest, Julie Potter, from the Tame Your Main Hair and Styling Salon in Blair County. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, Marriage. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Roberta, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The Infernal Revenue Service? Yep. Call them for what they are. They sent these two big brutes to the house. Scared us all half to death. I bet. What did they want? Money. Lots of it. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Oh, yeah. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. Turns out, the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes. So they want it all now. Right now. Plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16. The invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them... They pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms? Yep, and they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N dot com. One call does it all. 
Have you heard the big news? The Pennsylvania Project is expanding dramatically. Each episode is now being broadcast multiple times a week on WWDB Talk Radio in Philadelphia, and the show has recently gone into syndication across Pennsylvania. Our success can be your success as well. A limited number of opportunities have recently come available to where you can advertise affordably on the Pennsylvania Project. Not only will your message be heard throughout Pennsylvania's largest media market by far, all past episodes are always available for downloading at PennsylvaniaProject.com, at WWDB's website, on iTunes, and from many other popular podcast providers. So here's your chance to become a permanent part of the first liberty-oriented talk radio show on WWDB since the legendary Irv Homer hung up his headphones. Interested? Drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com today. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 59 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, in keeping with our ladylike theme, and in honor of my dear wife, Roberta, this being our 43rd anniversary, I'll be ranting about how marriage sticks in my craw. And no, no, not marriage to my wife that sticks in my craw. It's all these little things about marriage that other couples never seem to get over. Take, for example, some of the obvious ones. Seat up or seat down? Which of us should be inconvenienced? Well, it was many years ago that Roberta and I came to a compromise on that one. Closed, neither up nor down. Then there's another bathroom protocol that most people don't mention. Does the toilet paper hang over the top of the roll or hang down in back of the roll? Well, we've never had that discussion because we're always an over-the-top family in more than one way. Another thing that stresses out many married couples are the Hallmark holidays, as I call them. You know, things like Mother's Day, Father's Day, St. Hallmark's Day, I mean St. Valentine's Day. I've seen marriages fall apart over a mismanaged St. Hallmark Day. And that, that really sticks in my craw. Hey, what's the big deal? It's somebody else's holiday. They made it up. You know, we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project, and we have a solution to the whole St. Hallmark Day massacre scene. You could do what Roberta and I do. We don't subscribe to the Hallmark holidays, even though, ironically, she spent many years working for Hallmark. You know, instead, we create our own special holidays, and our favorite holiday of the year is the Philadelphia Folk Festival every August. Fest is great. Five days of music, camping, staying up till dawn. I've been to 42 of them so far, and Roberta's not far behind me. What do you got, 38? Something like Something that. Something like that. This year's a virtual, and it's so sad. It is. Well, we raised our kids there, and now our kids are raising their kids there. So Fest is like a huge, huge reunion for us. Another big holiday is our annual weekend canoe trip. Every June, we tie all of our camping gear into a 17-foot river canoe and head out for one of Pennsylvania's fine, fine whitewater rivers. Lehigh, Schuylkill, Little Schuylkill, larger stream, whatever it is. We'll camp out on an island in the middle of nowhere, just the two of us, and watch the moon rise sparkling over the water. To call that romantic is an understatement. Your traditional St. Valentine's Day celebration is nothing compared to that. Think of it. Alone on a deserted island. Just me and the wife. It sticks in my crawl that more people don't do that. We're big campers, Roberta and I. In fact, we met on a camping trip. Last weekend, we were out overnight backpacking on the Appalachian Trail near Bear Rocks. Kids, grandkids, friends, a whole bunch of us. Beautiful up there, sweeping views to the north, to the south. Gorgeous and breathtaking. 
And as I've mentioned, I've run for Pennsylvania governor three times now, and we've traveled the state, and Roberta was right there with me, I'm proud to say. And rather than stay in a dull old hotel, we camped out along the Camp Payne Trail, but it wasn't a pain. It was a blast. It's like a second honeymoon traveling the state, especially in autumn. Just a beautiful, absolutely beautiful time of the year. Boy, oh boy. Oh, yeah, we're a camping family. It's cheap. It's healthy. It's fun. Brings family closer together. And sticks in my craw that more people don't do it. I'm wondering, certainly it's brought Roberta and I closer together. How else could we have stayed married 43 years, you think? Maybe I haven't worn her out yet, or she hasn't gotten, <laughs> hasn't gotten tired of me. No, not that we haven't had our differences. There have been several over the years, of course, but it all settles out eventually. I like to tell people that the first 43 years are always the hardest. <laughs> you know, and our kids pick on us for being married so long. They complain to us, all our friends' parents are divorced, separated, second marriages. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I don't know. You know, being married has been very good to us. It solves the correct problem. And as our Pennsylvania Project Antimetaboli advises, we're not like the government, quote-unquote, solution to marriage, which solves the wrong problem, what with our marriage licenses and all. Do you know that what problem marriage licenses were first created to solve in the government side? Yep. Found that most people don't know, except for African Americans, that is. They know. They know that marriage licenses were first created to prevent interracial marriages. Talk about solving the wrong problem. And today they're using the same racist tactics against the ligbits, LGBTQs, or whatever you call them. I call them ligbits. Obviously, the correct solution to the correct problem is to separate marriage in state and state. Like all libertarians, I believe you have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided you respect the rights and property of others. And that philosophy spans everything, whether it's marriage, pandemics, radio shows. But Pennsylvania's solution to marriage is far, far from libertarian. It's full of finger-on-the-scale special privileges, like special tax breaks, powers of attorney, meddling. Obviously, we need to level that playing field. So I'd say that whenever, whatever legal privileges are available to traditional couples, it should also be available to same-sex couples, multi-sex couples, multi-member couples. Isn't that an oxymoron? Multi-member How do you get a multi-member couples? couple? couple well, is two. well, there's a good one. Remember back in 2017, I married Mark, the executive producer of the Pennsylvania Project, <laughs> and Roberto's even there for the wedding. But no, no, it's not what you're thinking. We didn't marry his husband and husband and wife. No, I served as officiant at the wedding of Mark and Eva. You know, do you, Mark, take Eva, and so on and so on and so on. You know, there's another thing that happens after 43 years of marriage. Not only do you end up completing each other's sentences, you develop your own language. There are words that we use that mean nothing to others, but we speak very precisely. Not just words like hooned, but also words like twig, ABBs, Disney, foof, woof, and junk as compared to I junk. A whole lit, my wife's laughing, she knows these words. <laughs> a long litany of terms, none of which may mean anything close to what you think it was. And you know, it's funny because it was a challenge for our kids growing up with those words. It's like they'd be at a friend's house and say, can I have an ABB? And people just look at them funny, <laughs> and justifiably so. Oh man, I can go on and on and on about Roberta and I. But you know, after 43 years of marriage, let me say that in spite of the emotional roller coaster that our marriage sometimes seems to be, Roberta, I must say that I could not have done it without you. 
right it, back at you, dear. And in the end, all I could say is, it hoofed. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what that means. On that sentimental note, that's going to have to wrap it up for episode 59 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about pandemics? About our guest from Team Your Main and reopening your business anyway? How about that 43rd anniversary? There anything Pennsylvania related? If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com. And you can hear us there, too, as well as on iTunes and a plethora of other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m., among several other times these days, and in Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 on the AM dial at a yawning 7 a.m. Mondays. And every episode is released on Tuesdays as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley, marketing guru Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator my dear wife Roberta Krawchuk, featured Toastmaster cohort Daniel Graciano, the official bartender Brooke Smith, who we haven't seen in weeks, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, radio producer Brett Kronberger, executive producer Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct 